Hey, welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm in person today with my friend Carter. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the anxiety of style. Yeah, we've got a, this is going to be a brief episode, which I'm excited about. Let us know what you think about that. If this is a time format, it's going to be a little bit shorter. Um, but the central question today, we spend a lot of time as artists thinking about our style, right? We, we wonder about, do I have a style? What is my style? Can I do something to adopt a specific style? And I think a lot of times there's an anxiety about whether or not we're unique, <laughs> whether or not we have a style that can be recognizable. Another way to think about it is we're kind of anxious that we might be plagiarizing somebody else's style, right? That we might be copying it in a way that's like the cheap version of Hemingway or the cheap version of, right? We, we take it at a kind of face value. And, you know, I think artists across the centuries have been concerned about cultivating a distinct sense of style, but also trying not to get subsumed within the influences that they love because we all have influences that we love and we want to integrate parts of them that we think are worthwhile, but we don't want to get consumed by them, right? We don't want to be a knockoff version of John Bellion, right? We don't want to be a knockoff version <laughs> of Cormac McCarthy, right? We don't want to be that. And so we can spend a lot of time worrying about this. Definitely. And it, 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 it makes me think of uh, a lot of times because people know I love John Bellion. They're like, yeah, I heard some like Bellion sounding things in that song you worked on. That was cool. And to me, I don't feel like I think I take that as a compliment. I do take it at face value. I'm like, I want to sound like John Bellion. Like, that's awesome. Like, cause I look up to him as an artist and I think that it's like a journey that I'm on to figure out what my taste or sorry, what my style is. And so I take those compliments for what they're worth. And I, I think there's a sense that I love And I always come back to that quote. I think it was John Mayer actually, who said like, by failing to be, to sound like the artist that I tried to sound like, I found the sound that made me, me. And so that's kind of what I feel like that. I feel that I'm on that journey as well. So when I hear people saying that I sound like this and that person at first, I, I think that's, that's a, that's a decently good thing. Like that's on the journey and I'm not fully, you know, I haven't arrived and yeah, that's pretty much into that thought, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. And I just heard in a class the other day that Franz Kafka was concerned. One of the reasons why he never published while he was alive, that he sounded too much like Charles Dickens. Now for those who are familiar with Kafka and Dickens, you would never ever put them in the same tent, right? They're so different. But to understand that Kafka was concerned that he would just come off as like a cheap Charles Dickens is kind of hilarious because now when we look back at their styles, we're like, oh man, they're miles apart. And so it is interesting too to think about what to us sounds like, oh man, I'm just I'm just doing kind of what you know I admire in other people sometimes can be miles from what they're doing. But I like that you well, mentioned that because we can be in the same ballpark, right? We could describe great prose as, let's say, elegant. Well, if you write something that's elegant, someone might be like, oh, well, that reminds me of so-and-so. And that's unavoidable. 
Right? And I think I'm glad that you're like, okay, I'm not just immediately saying if someone says, oh, that kind of sounds John Bellion-esque, that you're like, oh, no, no. Like, you know, you're fine with that because he's within the broader, I don't want to say genre because it's smaller, but the, the tone, the tonality and all of these different kind of, I think, aesthetic features that you could talk about that you guys are, are trying to work in the same arena and so there's going to be overlap, and I don't think that's always bad. Yeah, I know I didn't take it exactly the direction where we started though, because it's it is kind of a problem. Like there's a lot of the, there's all these different anxieties that I can have related to style. You know, it, like the pl- plagiarism one is a great example. Like, oh, I'm using this kind of sound like this other song does, but in a way, it's like any idea that we've had has come from somewhere else. You know, like we didn't just. And it's not like you're sampling it where you actually yes. grab it. Right. You're just saying <laughs> there's like elements of Yes. There's there's just that there's definitely that wrestle with uh how far how close can you get because there's only so many drum beats, there's only so many chord progressions, there's only so many sounds and combinations of effects that you can use. And so you're gonna hear other sounds and effects and you're gonna apply them in your situation. And so there's just that challenge of there's just a lot of different anxieties. I think that's the the right word for it related to is my style developing? Am I going in the right direction? So, yeah. It's it's complicated. It's a complicated topic, I think. Yeah, to say to to kind of characterize this in a frustratingly broad term, but also one that I think we'll immediately recognize. Oftentimes we can be working in the same vibe. It's got a John Bellion vibe. It's got a Steinbeckian vibe. Like a lot of times I'll hear students talk about the vibe of a piece, right? And we're using this, it's a really broad term, but it's like a catch-all for all the unique individual factors that make that thing what it is. And so I think sometimes we can be working within the same vibe or the same like direction or maybe it's the same subject matter or the same I mean you name it right there's a way to be working parallel with our influences or challenging them that's just inescapable you're not going to be able to recreate the wheel yeah there's a there's a level of fundamental elements of art that are you're not going to necessarily come up with a, a new way to write a great melody but you might come up with a new application of when you start to combine things like a great melody with an interesting, unique story, with your particular voice, with the time and the way that you publish the art and the artwork and like the packaging and the whole experience sure. combines. But you might be doing the same marketing strategy as a million other artists and have the same kind of color scheme in your artwork, but it's a different picture and a different subject matter. And like, so there's so many different variables variables that you can combine to create something unique but man there's so many avenues that i want to go with this or so many different avenues we could go with style but maybe can i ask you a question like what how do you think you how do you develop your style and how do you push back on that anxiety what do you think is the way to do that that's a good question and i think part of it is we have to let ourselves off the hook because i think if we look about the people who are really concerned about this let's take the the kafka Example or another great example, Steinbeck was constantly frustrated that people were just kind of comparing him to the the derivative version of Hemingway, and it, you know, and he he was kind of bothered by this. I mean, in his very humorous way, he used to actually 
when he would get mistaken for Hemingway, people would come up on the street and say, oh, can I get your autograph? You know, Mr. Hemingway. And he would say, sure. And he'd just <laughs> sign Hemingway because people would mistake him. Um, crazy. Which is which is pretty funny. Um, but he, here's another artist where he was really concerned that he was going to just get subsumed into this other personality or he was going to be seen as derivative. But just like Kafka, they're very, very different. And now when we've got some perspective, like the anxiety was almost unbased because like you said, there's so many variables. You creating art from your particular time and space and context and personality, I think oftentimes your style is going to emerge as a product of what you take in. It's not like we've got, we do have some control, but how we develop our style, a lot of that's just going to happen organically, I think, as a product of what you're digesting, what you're taking in, who your influences are, because you're going to become, I think, a strange amalgamation of a bunch of different styles. And that's the hope. Okay, well then here's another here's another anxiety and question to kind of throw at you. I'm worried that I'm too diluted, like I have too many styles. I, I need to just have one style, right? No one... These these artists that you're describing had the, their style, but yeah. I have too many projects going on. I've got too many. I do maybe I don't do my art full time. I've got a day job, and then I do my art on the side, and then I do this other thing. And so, even practically for me, like I'm thinking personally, there's two or three different things I have my hands in, like side project things. And so I don't feel like I'm. Is that a mistake? Do I need to just be working on one single thing and really honing out? carving out the style like an artist carves the the statue from the marble you know do I dilute myself by having you know what I'm saying like that's kind of another style anxiety I'll kind of throw at you yeah this is a good one I'm gonna throw a metaphor out here and we'll kind of take a another use of the word style let's say you wear a bunch of shirts that are made of different fabrics right you get cotton shirts you got uh, you know polyester shirts wool shirts denim you can wear them all, and maybe this is you as an artist trying on different styles, but then you put on your denim shirt, and you're like, ooh, this just feels right. This has got something that I'm resounding with, that I'm resonating with. Uh, this is something that, I don't know, you start inhabiting that as your style. So you're starting to wear more denim, right? And you're starting to buy more things that are denim, and you're experimenting with different types of denim, Maybe this is kind of how trying out a lot of styles, you have to try different things. Maybe you have to jump across a couple of different genres to start figuring it out, ooh, I like this. Let me try different versions of this. And so one, I think it can be a creative. I mean, obviously feeling like you've got a bunch of different styles can be disorientating, but maybe you can approach it as trying on different fabrics, seeing what works, seeing what you like. And then also, I think we... We have to understand our style will evolve. It will change. I think any of the great artists that you talk about, they go through phases. They go through different styles. They go through different uh, seasons of their work. It's the cookie-cutter production that never changes. I mean, Dylan's style changes all the time. Court McCarthy's style has changed. I mean, you can kind of name the artist They've had seasons, and then they'll try something else. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. So I don't know. Those are two things I'm thinking about. Yeah, that that's a really good answer, I think. And it makes a lot of sense that you can try on these different styles. And it's almost like throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall. You see what sticks, and you say, oh, that's that's 
thread. I'm going to mix some metaphors, but I'm going to pull that thread. Oh, okay. This is going to, oh, nope. Let's go left a little bit. Okay. Let's go this way. And you're kind of pulling out this different style, but it takes many, maybe many styles to refine over time. And also you do think about the other aspect. Dylan, great example. He didn't just do one thing. I'm pretty sure he's done many different artistic things. Kendrick Lamar, he's done many different artistic things. Now he's evolving beyond just rapping alone. There's different aspects and elements of his person and also his business and his endeavors. And it's like, you don't just have to, I think there's just, there's an easy pull towards, I have to just do one thing. And I think even whenever people talk about marketing and how to personal branding and these kinds of things, you're, you're kind of put in a box to like, you need to have your one crisp thing that you do and package it up and put it in your bio. But it's like, we're complicated people and we have lots of interests and we might, you enjoy fly fishing and you enjoy reading and you also enjoy playing guitar. Maybe that's not your life's work, but you can still pursue that and become good at it and excellent. And yeah, I guess just an encouragement, like to not box yourself in too soon to one thing. That's great. And I think don't be too concerned. There's, unless you're actually stealing <laughs> like directly and copying, right? It's like, don't be too concerned. It's going to, your particular time and space and season of life is going to produce a style. It goes back to cultivating taste like we talked about last episode. And hey, we contain multitudes, right? We, we contain uh, multi, you know, a lot of different styles. And, and I think there just needs to be a freedom in saying, hey, I'm going to I'm going to try different things because that's part of the the joy of being an artist is that you're always trying to reinvent your work and reinvent what you do and it's not a a byproduct it's like part of the way of life itself. Mm, that's wonderful. Well, we're at the end of our time. This was a little brief episode, a little creative espresso. You normally get the full cup, but this is just a little pump of energy there for you. Go. So, hopefully this is a good episode. And I think it pairs well with the previous one, just talking about taste and how consuming a lot of art can be one of the best ways to grow as an artist and refine the content that you create. And so I would say that's the encouragement for this episode is just make some art. And sorry, the music was distracting me. I think that's the big takeaway for me from this episode is just it's a journey and it takes time to refine your taste and it takes time to refine your style. So let us know what you think about this new format, these uh, little 15 minute episodes. Love some feedback. Did it work? Did it not? Yeah, we'd appreciate your feedback. So send us an email at heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. And I hope you all have a great day. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. 
H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.